Hey, Soakers, let me ask you a question. Who here has had enough true crime? Nobody? Yeah, I didn't think so. Us either. People are always asking us what other podcasts they should listen to. You know, we have a really long list, but we want to take a minute to tell you about one in particular, Three's a Crime. It's hosted by three funny ladies, Emily, Lindsay, and Tori. And while you're definitely in for several laughs along the way, don't let it fool you. These ladies also get into the nitty gritty behind cases with some great research. They've covered some really interesting cases, including the super bizarre Dyatlov Pass incident, the super sinister Mary Bell case, and the super vicious Elise Paler murder. So go give them a listen. Follow them on Instagram, Three's a Crime. Find them anywhere you listen to podcasts. We love supporting other up-and-coming podcasts, especially ones who take research as seriously as we do. Go listen. Hi, Soakers. Welcome to Bath and Body Parts. On our last episode, we heard all about the origins of the Turpin family. We heard how David and Louise slowly started shaping a cult from their little family, isolating themselves and the children. We heard how Jennifer was pulled out of school after having shown signs of abuse that were never reported. And we heard how most recently the family moved themselves to Rio Vista, where the lives of the Turpin children was about to become even more difficult. contains descriptions of violence, torture, and abuse, all involving children. There is really no way to present this case without going into detail, but we will not be gratuitous. We understand that this subject matter may be upsetting for some listeners, and listener discretion is advised. So in Rio Vista, the physical abuse got worse. Uh, There was slapping, hitting, throwing across the room, use of the belt. So this has escalated It's like full-blown physical abuse at this point. And years later, Joshua said that the worst punishment was having an oar used. And if that didn't work, David and Louise would slap the kids with a tent pole wrapped in fiberglass. Like these are serious. You could really, really, really permanently injure someone with those weapons. it's very sadistic. Yes. Like that is not like to come up with those things. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's a progression into this cult world, but they, at this point, have fully progressed into it. David converted the living room into a makeshift schoolroom with eight desks, and he also dabbled in farming and obtained several 300-pound pigs. In November of 2000, Louise gave birth to their eighth child, Jordan. And I do want to point out, yes, that is Jordan, the eighth child who starts this story when yes. she's 17 years old. So that is how long yeah. this abuse goes on. Yeah. In the summer of 2001, four-year-old Joy Turpin was bit in the face by their dog. And David waited 24 hours to call the doctor. <sighs> and then the dog was put down and there was no further investigation into this. <sighs> and um, anytime that the family would go on outings, all of the children would wear identical clothes and walk in a single file line with David at the front and Louise at the back. And like matching clothes with your family can be cute. Like for, you yeah, know, if you're like posing for pictures, right. not walking, but and like not every time that they go out. Line. Right. <laughs> exactly. 
In 2003, one of the starving 300-pound pigs escaped and ate 55 pounds of dog food that the neighbor had left out. And David agreed to replace the food and the matter was dropped. And like, so they're not taking, like, they don't know how to take care of these pigs that are 300 pounds. No, like, like, they're just, like, they don't know what they're creatures. doing. They're like, yeah. Ugh. Not good. In 2003, Louise also gave birth to their 10th child, Joanna. She would send pics to Princeton, and everyone said they looked happy. You know, when you're sending pictures, you get to right. choose how you You're portray. sending the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In May of 2004, David bought a double-wide trailer and parked it behind their home. And they all moved into the trailer because the house had become uninhabitable. Like, But, like, you let the house become uninhabitable. Like, right. Oh, right. There's no no reason. I don't know. We hear about this a lot, like this, like, living in filth kind of thing. And it's like, yes. but why? But like, who let it happen? Like, who let it happen? Like, you uh, let it happen. And I don't, uh, I don't understand. And, like, their house was probably a lot bigger than a double-wide trailer. Than this little trailer, yeah. Ugh. So soon after moving into the double-wide, Louise gave birth to baby number 11. And they're all living in this little trailer. And then in 2006, their 12th child was born. So they had 12 kids in 17 years. That is so, so many in such a so short many. period of time. It like, is so many. And you know what? Big families exist. And yes. some of them are like truly wonderful. Yes. And I do think it's possible to have 12 kids and care for them all. Yes. That's obviously not the case here. And like, why did you keep having kids? You know? I just, right. We go we we go into a little bit of Louise's mindset a little what was what was motivating her a little bit. So soon after the birth of her twelfth child, Elizabeth called Louise and said she'd suffered a miscarriage, and Louise revealed that she had had several. And I do imagine that that makes sense, like right. given what your body has gone through. Again, oh you're gosh. not even letting your body heal properly in between right. births. Oh my gosh, I just I can't even imagine. I cannot no. imagine. While they were living in Rio Vista, David built a seven foot wide, five foot tall cage to imprison any of the children that disobeyed. And there was a five inch gap at the bottom for food to be pushed under. So eight year old Jonathan figured out how to escape it. And so to prevent this, David bought a dog kennel measuring three feet by three feet to use instead. And 16-year-old Joshua was locked in the dog kennel for watching a Star Wars video. Three feet by three feet is so small. It's just messed up. It's horrible. Skype had recently become a thing, and Louise would Skype her mom and her sisters with two kids at a time only. She was like really meticulous about having only two kids on the screen at a time, and they would kind of like do it in rotations. And she would become increasingly more apprehensive about the kids talking on the phone, even though they were only talking to their aunts. Yeah, but I mean, they're going to be like, Oh, and we sleep in a dog cage, Uh you know? Uh Uh-huh. And so Louise and David actually decide to move a few miles away, taking only two of their children, Julissa and Jolinda. So Jennifer and Joshua were put in charge of everyone else. And every few days, David would drop off frozen food for them. 
Like they just decided to do something else. And they were like, well, we'll just leave the, all of our kids here except for these two. But very bizarre. I mean, there's no trying to understand it. No, it's not at all. Not based in any kind of logic. Not at all. And it's just really sad. Like while Louise and David are not there, the kids don't change their behavior all of a sudden just because their parents aren't there. Right. Because Jennifer and Joshua were put in charge of everyone else and they just held up the same rules that their parents had put in place because they're so used to this life, right? Like they're not even thinking about being rebellious. That's another thing that you see in like the no tech case, like the Shelly no tech. And yes, it's just this training up the kids to sort of take over the punishment. Yes. And it's almost like pinning the siblings against each other and like having them kind of, you know, spy on each other and tell, you know, report back of who messed up and all of these things. And like while Louise and David weren't there the kids still didn't bathe they still didn't misbehave and you know joshua wanted to actually leave but he was too scared and jennifer the oldest like she actually left the house once and a neighbor drove her to town and she had you know no id and she didn't even know who the president was and she wanted she said she wanted to get a job and the neighbor that was driving her was like, well, you know, without an ID, like that, that's not really going to happen. And I just, yeah. you know, she she was going to leave. Ugh. And the Hill County Sheriff Rodney Watson said that he wished he had been aware of what was going on because, you know, he could have saved years of hurt. And I feel like, we you know, we've been saying like there were many times for things to be reported and for these, you know, Things could have stopped at a certain point, but like nothing was happening. And it's just really sad. In 2007, the neighbors across the way actually had like a family tragedy. So the father had actually backed his car over his five-year-old son, which resulted in the child's death. Which I wish I could unknow that. Yeah, I know. I know. David and Louise actually did make a condolence call to the family and like, you know, obviously the mom said she she wasn't even able to see them because she was grieving so much. But the dad did say like he remembered them and that they seemed normal mm-hmm. coming up. But of course, you're, you know, you're in a grief state. Like, right. it's just really sad. In May 2008, Louise turned 40. And she kind of has this like midlife crisis, identity crisis type of thing where she and David like said that they were tired of the church and they started kind of exploring witchcraft and snake handling. (laughs) (laughs) And they had never, you know, they had never had alcohol before, like, and they started going to bars And they started like, like Louise would call her sisters drunk, you know, and like just very different lifestyle than they had Mm -hmm. been living. And they actually looked into a couple of different religions like Catholicism, Mormonism, and even like Mennonite, Mm -hmm. like very, just they're like looking into a bunch of different stuff. That's very interesting to me. Let's go shopping for a new religion. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Let's try this one on. What do we think? And they started um, using Ouija boards. And they would also take 1,200-mile trips to Vegas to gamble. And, you know, we know that Louise has a gambling addiction. So, um, And they just started partying like teens. 
And one night, Louise is on the phone with her sister, Teresa, and she said, you know, we've actually become swingers. And that she would, she told her like David would wait in the car while she would, you know, meet with these men in hotel rooms. And while she was in the hotel rooms, she would also like have them take pictures of her in lingerie and she would post them on her MySpace page. <laughs> like, and so it really, like, she's 40 years. It's really like they just had a midlife crisis yeah. and started acting like, teenagers and you know they never lived that life louise was married when she was 16 like she never they never had alcohol before they were 40 and it's like they just went fully into it fully into this craziness yeah and in the meantime they were running up a lot of credit card debt they would buy the kids all kinds of new stuff that they never got to use and again it's just like it's so weird that they would do that it's so weird like new expensive things too like not just I'm gonna go buy you know cheap things like really nice stuff that they would just have in the house that would end up in the trash and they weren't even allowed to use ugh in 2009 they bought two new cars worth $30,000 all on credit Louise was supportive when her sister Elizabeth was going through a separation from her husband and she actually bought Elizabeth a house and like I don't where are they getting all this credit? Like, I don't why know how are that they- works. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess they're just racking up debt and that is how it is, you know, but still. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you need a big chunk of money to buy a house. Yeah. You can't put that on the credit card. Right. <laughs> Elizabeth and her husband did end up getting back together, but you know, I guess they kept yeah. the house or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Louise also told Elizabeth that the Ouija board had told her she would have a 13th kid. Dang. In 2010, David actually lost his job, but that didn't stop him from buying a $22,000 Mustang. Like, didn't they just buy two new cars the year before? Right. Like, but like, again, it's like this midlife crisis type of thing, right? And like, what kind of car does every like man want to get? It's like a Mustang, right? (laughs) Like, I guess if Louise has her lingerie MySpace pictures, David gets his Mustang. Right. And eventually the repo men started coming because obviously you can't afford all these things. Yep. They loaded up their 15 passenger van and left all of their farm animals, just abandoned them. Yep. The neighbors didn't notice they were gone for several days and then they could hear their dogs howling. And so they finally broke in and the dogs ran right out and they had been living off of toilet water and eating dirty diapers. And there were animal corpses everywhere and just filled. And, like, they said that the toilets were totally dry. Like, the dogs had drank all of the water and just, it's just, it's just terrible. Terrible. And the real estate agent that sold the house would have prospective buyers sign a hold harmless agreement before showing the house so they wouldn't get sued if they got sick. Like, that's how bad it was. I didn't know what a hold harmless agreement was. No, I never heard of it. And I, like, read about it a little bit. And it's like, yeah, if they know that the place is possibly toxic, they... They are like, they make you sign this thing so that the real estate agent doesn't get sued and that the bank doesn't get sued. And uh, unsurprisingly, the buyers ended up spending a lot of money, $30,000 on just making it livable. I wouldn't have bought it. I'm like, (laughs) I would not buy that house. Ew. No. (laughs) 
If you'd like to support the podcast, get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases, plus get access to our exclusive Bath and Body Parts bath bombs, we'd love to have you join our Patreon as a soaker, super soaker, or bath bomber. Visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more. On June 4th, 2010, David and Louise moved to California. They're still surviving on credit at this point, but Louise has put out that it's all fine. Like she's got this right. persona on. They got their annual pass to Disneyland and they even got personal plates that said DS land. Oh, it's just like <laughs> so cringy to me. It is. It's just like given them the fact that they can't even like afford it. You know, it is. If right. you like, yes, it's not, not, yes. no it's hating at Disneyland. It. I'm just no, like, no, no. you're choosing just to spend on, yes. your money you don't have on vanity plates from right. Disneyland. <laughs> like, oh. So David opened, quote, the City Day School. It's like he just put a bunch of words together. Yeah, I was like, that doesn't like mean this. anything. <laughs> but okay, David. And named himself principal. Okay, David. Principal yeah. of City Day School. Right. So official. <sighs> the older children started getting treated a little bit better. Joshua was given a camera. Jennifer was given a smartphone. Now, the kids would spend 20 hours a day in their rooms and would only come out between 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Oh, and I think they were like, it was like four kids to a room and just like that schedule, like 11, like they're only out and about and like sleeping most of the day and only coming out at 11 p.m. Like, oh, and then while the older kids are getting a a little bit of a break here, the younger kids were not. Jonathan would get chained up so often during this time that he now has permanent spinal damage. And Louise threw seven-year-old Joanna down the stairs. Oh, it's really bad. It's really bad. And around this time, David and Louise started a joint Facebook account. Just don't do that. Don't do that. Just Just say no to that. Joint Facebook accounts just... Nope, nope. Big thumbs down. And they were big fans of the show John and Kate Plus 8 and wanted to have a reality show too. And that was like something that Louise would often say that the reason that... she was like obsessed with this. Yeah, that she wanted to have more and more kids because it increased their chances of getting a reality show. But you know what really decreases your chances of having a reality show? Louise abusing and starving your children? Um, yeah, yeah. How are you going to have a reality show here? Like, it doesn't make sense. You got your kid chained up. Yeah. Fecal stains and on the roof. you're going to yeah. bring in the cameras? Yeah. Like, Louise, ugh, you're the worst. Yeah. In January of 2011, David found a job as a computer engineer making $143,000 a year. And he had a 44-mile commute each way, which is like a really big commute. That's so much. That's so that much. That is crazy. And he would work the 2 to 10 p.m. shift. So then he would, like, be back for their weird nocturnal yeah. 11 to 3 a.m. maybe when they're doing city day school. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I guess. That's, I city guess. day school bell rings at 11 yeah. p.m. Yeah. And, like, it's 2011 and he has 12 kids. $143,000 a year is not enough no, for that. No. And especially living in California. That's a high living expense. It is. So it sounds like, oh, it's $143,000 a year, but that... No, no, when you have that many kids, you're not rolling in it at $143,000 a year. No. At this point, they had to file for Chapter 7 bankruptcy because they owed about a quarter of 
have a million dollars because of all the stuff that they had been buying on credit. But they were still acting like things were great. So to celebrate their 26th wedding anniversary, they actually went to Vegas to renew their wedding vows. And I just feel like 26 is an interesting year to choose. Like, it's not your 25th. You would think you'd do it 25th. (laughs) Or 30, you know, but whatever. They spared no expense and an Elvis impersonator actually renewed their vows. And mind you, this is Vegas, but they got so drunk and Louise made such a scene that security had to escort her out in Vegas. Like, how bad does that have to be, right? They're so weird to me because yes. like, they're running this cult. And yes. then they're like, let's go to Vegas yes. and hire an Elvis impersonator to renew our vows like it makes no sense at all very hard to wrap my mind there's no logic David's mom Betty came to visit and you know she said they were a model family and friends would comment on their Facebook pictures saying you know I don't know how you do it Louise like you're a super mom so she's unchaining her kids right 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 probably putting Mickey Mouse ears on them Oh, yes. To snap oh, a yes. picture. Ugh. And, like, I was thinking about it because, like, the only time that the Turpin kids got to see other families, like, was on their trips to Disneyland. And Disney parks are great, but they're super, like, it's a sensory overload, yeah. right? Like, it's loud. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people. And I can just imagine like how overwhelming that whole experience was for these kids. You know, like these trips must have been just so, so much. But of course, the Facebook world is like, oh, Louise, you're super mom, you know, fuck all that. So at one point, all of the kids came down with a sickness that was actually bad enough for David and Louise to take them to the doctor. But before they went, they were coached on like what to say. Now, how the doctors didn't see anything amiss with these kids who are like super underweight. No, and, and I mean we're gonna get into the details of how malnourished uh-huh, these kids were later. Uh-huh. But like they are visibly but like underweight and frail. How did these kids not get taken immediately when they were at the doctor? I like, do not understand. Yeah. I don't understand that at yeah. all. I I don't I don't know. So for their 28th wedding anniversary, they went back to Vegas to renew their vows again. Okay. (laughs) So that's kind of weird. And they hired the same Elvis impersonator to renew them their vows again. It's very weird. And at the same time, Janetta, who was 14, got caught playing with a Barbie. And her punishment was to stand in the corner of the bathroom. And she had she ended up standing for so long that she actually collapsed and hit her chin, causing a hairline fracture. Ugh. Like she just passed out. That is well, first of all, that is all completely horrifying. But then it's like she's 14. Uh-huh. She's getting caught playing with a Barbie, uh-huh. which is something that is like developmentally like well under a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. But like she doesn't have anything else to do. And, like, who gave her the Barbie? Like, I guarantee that's one of the things that Louise bought that they weren't allowed to play with. Yes. It's, like, it's next level really, really creepy. Because it's not even that you just have these really strict rules, but you're, like, bringing in these things that they're not allowed Uh to touch. And this Uh is so evil. 
it is like a type of torture that I was not familiar with because I, I have heard about like depriving someone of all of these things that never, you know, and like locking people into rooms and things like this, but to display these things and to have them accessible, but to have them not be accessible. It's so, so fucked up. Like this case is just so, so terrible. And Louise encouraged Jennifer and Joshua and Julianne and Janetta to spy on the other kids and report back if they were acting up. And again, like this is common in a family cult situation, in a cult situation, and in just like a really messed up family situation. And Louise and David would go out all the time to eat at restaurants. And, you know, they would sometimes bring home leftovers and they would leave it out on the counter, like almost daring the kids to ask for some. And eventually the food would spoil and get thrown out. So they wouldn't even eat their leftovers. It was like a torture thing. So messed up. And they also got two Maltese dogs and those dogs were super well cared for and well fed and taken care of so much better than their children. <sighs> I just, I have no words. Yeah. And at age 47, Louise does become pregnant with baby number 13. And inexplicably, Louise did enroll Joshua in a music course at a local community college. And he actually did really great. Like he was very musically inclined. And there was once a class potluck and he was seen like trying to eat as much food as he could. And like, I just, yeah, I just imagine that like one of the, one of the community college classmates said like, I just remember him eating really fast and eating a lot, you know, it's just like, whoa. So in 2015, Louise gave birth to baby Jana, and this was their first child in a decade. So there's a huge age gap between her last one and the one before that. And this one, oh. Jolinda once got in trouble for taking some makeup from Louise's bathroom, and her punishment was that Louise like threw the makeup under the bed. And made Jolinda go retrieve it, knowing that there was like a nest of spiders down there. And she held her down there while she was getting bitten by these spiders. Oh my gosh. For, for just like taking some makeup that she was going to play with, you know? That's horrible. So Phyllis, Louise's mom, died at the age of 66. And her deathbed request was to talk to her grandkids. And Louise didn't even answer the phone. And, you know, again, Phyllis, not great. And at the funeral, 91-year-old John Taylor told Elizabeth that the expenses of the funeral were taken care of, and he also asked her for a tight hug, which oh. is the way that he would refer to raping them when they were young. And he's 91 years old at this point. Right. Like, John Taylor is such a piece of shit, like, villain, bad, 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 bad guy. And I hate I that hate he him. lives to, like, be that old, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. So in 2016, Jennifer lends Jordan her phone. And this is when Jordan discovers Justin Bieber. 
and she loves his oh music. My gosh. And like 2016, like we loved Justin Bieber so much. Um, Remember, yeah. like, oh yeah, I got married in 2016, and we listened to Justin Bieber the entire yes, way. Yes, I remember that that sorry song, that l- l- uh, love yourself song. Yes, oh, good and so, like, stuff. I just know that's what she was listening to. Like, yes. at the same time, and oh, it's yes, just, it's heartbreaking that she. That's like her little taste of the real yeah. world. Yeah. It was her exposure. And like Joshua, you know, of course, tells Louise about this. And like, I don't fault him for telling Louise because he doesn't know any better, no. right? Like it's his job, quote unquote, to like. And they're completely like brainwashed. Yeah, they're totally brainwashed. And- they're totally brainwashed. So he tells Louise, you know, that, you know, she had discovered this music. And Louise actually chokes Jordan, like holds her up against the wall and screams, you want to die and go to hell. Like while she's choking her about listening to Justin Bieber. Truly, truly terrible, evil person. Terrible. In April of 2016, a famous photo of all the kids wearing thing one through thing 13 shirts is taken. Again, it's like she can dress them up and take a picture. They're matching clothes. Yep. (sighs) But she can't feed them or avoid chaining them up and in that picture like if you look up that picture i can't tell who's the oldest and who's the youngest because they're all no so it just small. looks like a bunch of tiny yep. children yep. nine months before that the show 19 kids and counting had been canceled and louise saw this as their opportunity to fill that void again louise <sighs> you can't do that if you're abusing your kids right at Christmas 2016, Jonathan, Jolinda, Jalisa, and Janetta were caught stealing food, and their punishment was that they did not get to celebrate Christmas while their siblings did. Like, they didn't get to eat it's the Christmas so food. They didn't get to, like, open any presents. Like, nothing. Nothing. In December 2017, Joshua gave Jordan his deactivated cell phone, and Jordan starts some social media accounts under the name Lacey Swan. And again, she just, she loved Justin Bieber and she would even write songs and post videos of her singing them. And around this time, she became internet friends with a man named Nilesh, uh, which don't love that situation, but he did, you know, she confided in him and he did encourage her to alert the authorities about her living situation. So, and like, I was just glad to not read that he was going to take advantage of her yes. too. You yes, know? exactly. I was uh, very hesitant about the whole yes. thing. Now, Louise expressed interest in getting pregnant again around this time to increase their chances at a reality show. Because those like those reality shows, like those TLC shows, they love these extremely big families or like something very extreme, right? And she's like, well, 13 is not enough. Ugh. And just before the holidays, David finds out he's being transferred to Oklahoma City. And the thought of another move terrified the kids. And this is when Jordan starts making plans for getting out and alerting the authorities. And good for her. Because every time they've moved, like, before then, every like every time it increases. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, it starts to get even more out of control. They're in a more isolated situation. Right. So when the sheriffs arrived at the Turpin house after Jordan's call, they were appalled by what they saw. And this is one of those things where like it haunts them, you know, to this day. Yes. The kids were immediately taken to the sheriff's office and given IVs with nutrients and antibiotics. None of the kids asked about their parents. They only asked about their two dogs. Jordan, 
who was 17, tried to describe her life to the cops. And they thought based on her size and limited vocabulary that she was 10 years old at most. Jalinda, who was 13, was interviewed with a CPS worker in the room and she was completely illiterate. She told them she had recently made it to the letter T in her phonics workbooks. And she thought Texas was a country. And she said like throughout the interviews, like they would talk about how they would... They would get instruction for school, like phonics books, but then there would be no lessons for like years and then they would get picked up again. So she was like really proud of the fact that she had learned about the letter T. That's just so heartbreaking. And all of the kids talked about how their mother had a temper. 11-year-old Julissa talked about how her favorite thing was apple juice, but she was never allowed to have it. Louise would buy gallons of it and keep it in the fridge, but no one was allowed to drink it. Yeah. And again, like they're spending so much money on things that they're just throwing away too. Like it's so strange. It's so strange. So David and Louise's bail was set at $9 million each. And this is the point where the kids are separated for the first time. So the older seven children are admitted to Corona Regional Medical Center and the hospital staff there bought them clothes and things with their own money. And within hours, donations started coming in of like games and toiletries and clothes because they had nothing. They had nothing. They had actually like these seven, these children who some of them are adults, had never seen a fresh fruit or vegetable. And there was actually like a tomato that was there on one of their plates. And they were kind of scared of it because the inside of a tomato, you know, it it looks kind of weird. Yeah. And until a nurse bit into one, like they didn't want to eat it. And then they all tried it and they really liked it. You know, like that's just. And the six younger children were admitted to Riverside University Hospital. And the doctors there that worked with them were handpicked because they wanted upbeat, non-intimidating doctors. Like they wanted really relatable, like, this is their first experience being separated from their older siblings. Like they needed some real comforting doctors. And so the young kids ranged from 20 to 50 pounds underweight. And 11-year-old Julissa was in the worst condition of the younger kids. And so she's 11 years old. And they tested her mid-upper arm circumference. And they said that it was that of a four-month-old baby. That's how thin she was, which like going back to when they were all sick and they had all gone to visit the doctor, like how did that doctor not see that this child had an upper arm circumference of an infant? And that all of them do. It's not just like one who's in poor health, like all of them. So the neighbors were, of course, shocked by this revelation. And some of the neighbors were like, I did not know that there were that many children living in the house. I had only ever seen like one or two children at a time if they were like walking around to get the mail Mm -hmm. or, you know, they had never seen that many kids. And Louise's sister, Elizabeth, actually had to hear about the whole thing by getting tagged on Facebook. And somebody said like, hey, Elizabeth, isn't this your psycho sister? Like, that's how she found out about this. And when it is revealed that David had actually registered the home as a private school, you know, city day school, 
It also came out that they had never had a fire inspection, which is a requirement for private schools and, you know, most schools. Like oh, we, you mean we the city day year. school wasn't totally legit? Right. Right. <laughs> and Betty Turpin, David's mom, comes to David and Louise's defense saying, this is a one-sided story so far. And <laughs> this one, this is a highly respectable family with an annual pass to Disneyland. Okay, Betty. Like, <laughs> Betty. Oh, well, in that case, let's just <laughs> right. let them go. They're like, oh my gosh, I thought they were criminals, but wait, they're annual pass holders to Disneyland. I mean, everything their is license fine. plate says Disneyland, right. so they're fine. Oh my God, everything here checks you. out. Betty. So David's brother, Randy, takes a sabbatical from Baylor Christian College when this comes out. And Elizabeth has flown to Good Morning America, where she is shocked. And, you know, she says that she loves her sister and she is adamant that when she lived with them for that summer, like David never touched her and it wasn't like she didn't receive abuse while she was there. So, of course, as it happens, whenever a big news story breaks, tourists come to the neighborhood and the neighbors get really annoyed because they're taking pictures but the neighbors really want to support the kids. And so, you know, they they hold up fundraisers and all of these things. And the community actually calls them the Magnificent 13 to kind of get them out of that last name and being associated with their parents. Yeah. And the kids were, you know, they were adjusting to having freedom. And I imagine that it must have been so bizarre to, you know, be living in the hospital at this point. They actually sleep in their shoes because they keep asking the nurses, like, if someone's going to take their shoes, like their new shoes that were given to them. So sad. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, one of Jennifer's classmates from third grade goes on Facebook and talks about, like, how Jennifer had been in his class. And he's, like, feels so bad about teasing her. And, you know, he says, like, obviously... Where in third grade, I didn't have a way of knowing Mm -hmm. what was happening to you. But like, you know, kind of like a statement to all kids, like just don't, just don't bully people. You know, it's really sad. Now the Riverside County DA, Michael Hestran, seeks to charge the Turpins with 75 felonies, including 12 counts of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, seven counts of cruelty to a dependent adult, six counts of willful child cruelty. And it is important to note that no counts are brought up involving the two-year-old, who is the only child that was well-fed and cared for. And I can only think that that is because Louise was wanting the reality show, I guess. Right, right. So she was like, well, I guess I got to start treating my kids better. Maybe. But just this one. But just this one. Yeah. He also wanted the bail raised to $13 million, $1 million per each kid. People in the community hosted vigils for the children. A homeless man even donated his own $2.38 for the kids. Yeah, he's like, you you make sure the kids get this. Like, you know, it's like people loved the kids. Like, it, And some of them aren't kids. Like by this point, Jennifer is like almost 30 years old, right. but like doesn't have an adult capacity. Right. The hospital staff that is working with the kids end up developing very strong attachments to them. And the DA's office successfully filed a criminal protective order to ban Louise and David from being able to speak to the kids. And the judge said that would be effective for three years and that they could only communicate through their lawyers. Which I, thank goodness. Thank goodness. 
Louise's sister, Teresa, went on the Megyn Kelly show and said, my sister is dead to me. And I'm not saying there's a right way or a wrong way to handle it, but I would definitely fall more on the Teresa side than the Elizabeth yes. side. Yes, for sure. For sure. David's brother, Randy, expressed interest in adopting the kids. And I don't know, maybe Randy's a great guy, but I'm like, those kids, they don't need to be. Right. They don't need they to be anywhere just, near nope, the family. Nope. You know? nope. Nope. At this point, the children were split into two foster homes. Elizabeth, Teresa, and their cousin, Trisha, were interviewed by Dr. Phil, Good Morning America, World News Tonight, and Dr. Oz. And during these interviews, they kind of went into their background of their life and revealed that their grandfather had abused them. And at this point, John Taylor, who's somehow still allowed to be alive and existing in the world at 93 years old, says, they were not abused. I am sure of it. John Taylor is the worst. Like he's so much the worst. Like that's one of the worst people I've ever read about or learned about. Just truly, truly terrible. Amy Duggar King, a cousin of, of the Duggars, the stars of 19 Kids and Counting, said that she would love to adopt all the kids. Again, don't think that's a good situation for them. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Yep. Yep. During their stay in the hospital, the kids all developed a love for music and they really became fans of John Denver. Same. Like, I, I love John Denver and I love this story. His estate heard about their love for John Denver and sent them the entire discography, which I think is and really I imagine sweet. they were just so excited. Yes. Like, oh. Oh, so sweet. And then Fender Guitars also donated 13 guitars to the kids. And I, I love that. I and I just, too. I also picture like the two-year-old, like with a guitar. Yes. Like how cute that would be. Oh. So cute. And Yo-Yo Ma also plays a private concert for them. Which I love that. I know. And just the fact that they like, they really showed up for these kids, Yeah, you know, just to make them feel special. Yes. And they didn't feel special for their whole lives. So it's really nice that they got something. One month into their stay, all the kids were putting on weight and growing. Thank goodness. The DA considers putting some of the kids on the stand. That's tricky. That's so tricky. It's really hard. But also I think important. It makes sense. Right? Like... Dr. Oz flies Teresa and her cousin Trisha to visit David and Louise behind bars. When they visited Louise, she didn't even ask about the kids. Teresa said she was just living in a fantasy world. I just, I can't. And when they went to visit David, they said he cried the whole time and was very remorseful. You know, I I feel like there's a lot that we don't know about David and Louise Yes. And about like what really transpired or who the leader was, yes. the cult expert, you know, said David right. is leading this and that he's positioned himself as the leader. And I, I see that to a degree, seem but it, a little bit like Louise. It does. Is it the just it feels like Louise is the driving one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know what I. We will never know, and that's pure speculation. Yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with not knowing because I like once I finish recording this episode, like I don't want to think about this case yes. anymore because. It's been on my brain. Prefer for those two absolute yes. louses of people to occupy yes. no more of my brain power. Yes. But that yes. is just my thought. My my gut feeling is. But I agree. Yeah. I agree. Uh, oh yes, and Dr. Oz also flew Elizabeth and Trisha to Princeton to film a two-part special on the family roots. Sometime we'll have to talk about Dr. Oz because <laughs> I feel like there, you know, all of the talk shows kind of jump on these things, right? But like Dr. Oz, I don't know. I don't like him. I don't like him. (laughs) 
So soon after the filming of the two-part special on their family roots, John Taylor finally dies. And I'm not sad about that at all. Oh, that, uh, go to hell. Very bad person. So Teresa announces that she is also going to publish a book because Elizabeth was also going to publish a book called Sisters of Secrets. So Teresa said, well, I'm going to publish a tell-all book that's going to compete with Elizabeth's book. <laughs> like, yikes. In May of 2018, David is also hit with eight counts of perjury, one for each year that he had filed for the private school because, you know, city day school wasn't legit. And so now he himself faced 50 felonies. So on June 20th, 2018, it was the preliminary hearing and the courtroom was packed and Jordan's 911 call was played. And I feel like that would have been enough right there. You know, like you just, you hear that call and it is, it's enough. You hear, like, you know everything you need to know. And they interviewed the first deputy that had responded to the call and interviewed the members of the sheriff's department that had interviewed the kids that day. And David's defense team made it seem like, you know, he wasn't the abusive one. That all of the kids were scared of their mom, but that their dad, you know, was always at work and he was the one who provided the money and like nobody said they were scared of him mm -hmm. essentially is their defense. And just like you and I kind of talked about, like it does seem based on this research that Louise may have had a more leadership role in this family situation. Yes. And I think that stance makes sense from David's defense team to yes. take. That's obviously, the only, I that's think the only defense they could have had. Yes. And, and obviously I think that that's like total bullshit because right. Even though I think Louise personally, I do think she was maybe the driving force in it. Like David yes. was an active participant in it, obviously yes. an active, willing participant. Yes. And often would be the one, you know, that would act out the punishments. That's what Elizabeth said when she was living with them. Like, it's not like he's yes. guilt-free. I mean, he built the cage and stuff. So let's right. not, you know, go crazy. Right. So I thought it was really interesting because reading about this, I would have thought that so many of the kids would have had like very detrimental mental problems from their time. But it seems like only James is the one who kind of, has some real mental issues. He started displaying antisocial characteristics like talking about wanting to kill animals and believing that his dreams were predicting the future. But otherwise, the kids were just really like adjusting well and like they're so resilient, you know, yes. and even James, like with help and with therapy, like he can get better. Mm -hmm. I was just surprised that out of all 13, like there was only one who had that type of reaction, yes. you know? And I mean, I, w I just wonder if it's like, they're so stunted that they're almost like little, little kids. Right. Even it's though almost they're not like they're little only kids. having a chance to grow up starting now. Yes. Ugh. Right. But thank goodness they're all adjusting and, yeah. and doing good. So the seven adult children attended a closed probate hearing at the courthouse to decide whether or not a Riverside public guardian would continue being their conservator. And I think that I think that they did decide for a public guardian to continue for a little while because they're not able to provide for themselves right. yet. Like to, they don't have the skills to get jobs and they need more time 
you know. So an arraignment was set for August 3rd, 2018. And at that arraignment, the trial is set for September 3rd, 2019. And on February 22nd, 2019, David and Louise agreed to plead guilty to 14 felony counts each, including torture, false imprisonment, and child endangerment. On April 19th, 2019, they are sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And I feel like 25 years is too soon for these people to be eligible for parole. I definitely don't disagree with that, but I do think it's important to keep the perspective that like, just because you have a possibility of parole definitely doesn't mean you're getting out. True. Like the, this the is very true. Is like very, very, very hard yes. to, so I do to get I there. take comfort and in that. It does seem like Louise uh, has not had any remorse. Yes. Like when her sister went and talked to her, she didn't even ask about the children. <sighs> so I doubt that she will be eligible for parole unless she has some sort of like come to Jesus thing in the in the jail. I don't know. Yeah. That is the case of the Turpin 13. And like my final thoughts are just how did no one know what was going on and how did the doctor not know and how did there how was there never any report it's so hard because there were only a few opportunities you know I know and it's really easy to be critical and it's really easy to hold judgment and like I always try to be reasonable (laughs) like I try to be like well we don't know we don't know but like I don't understand how the doctors didn't see I don't understand the doctors like they were seen in a medical facility and these kids like I said like you look at pictures of them and I cannot tell who is the oldest and who is the youngest because they are so similar in size and I just I think about these kids and like ever since I discovered this case like I've thought about these children because like we said this was not very long ago so like the two-year-old is now five and like I teach five-year-olds and I I hope that the Turpin 13 are able to live fulfilled lives from here on out because it's like you said it's like they're so stunted it's like they're children and it's almost like I want them to have an opportunity to have as close to a normal life as they're gonna have Mm -hmm. you know and I just I've been thinking about them a lot and yeah it's really sad this is a heavy case you know we like to have fun and, and we like to yeah pick cases that have some element of humor and this one just really didn't have much um yeah but we think it's an important case and we think that their story deserves to be told and I would like to not know about it but I'm also glad that I do because if I ever see something similar hopefully I can intervene hopefully I don't ever see anything like that but and I just like I have not really been familiar with like family cults before. Like I like learning about cults. I think that cults are fascinating, but learning about a family cult is so, there's so much to learn there, you know? 
And so I hope that like we didn't put anybody off of listening to our podcast with this case because it is so heavy. But like, I agree that it's really, really important and it kind of like ties into my self-care and prepare tips. So I'm going to actually do my prepare tip first because we've kind of said it a lot. You're a rebel. <laughs> yeah, I'm a rebel. I'm going to do prepare and self-care. But we've said it several times. Like if you see something that involves especially children that you think this is a sign of abuse and there's multiple signs please report it to authorities because there were some missed opportunities here. And the the biggest one to me is when they went to see the doctor. Mm-hmm. But even like when Jennifer was at school, I think it would be different now because like we live in a different age, you know, but like if you see something, say something. And I'm going to really be mindful of that, especially in my line of work. Like I'm already mindful of that, but I feel like this case even just weighed on me in that way. Like I just really, and I like looked at all my students and I was just thinking about like how happy I am that they're like in school and they're safe. And, you know, we try to provide a good environment for them. And it's just like, these kids didn't have that. And now I want to just like wrap my arms around like all the kids of the world (laughs) and like, just keep them keep them safe from situations like this. It is. And it's really sad, but just, you know, it's better to err on the side of caution. Yes. You know, I've had, like I said, I've had horrible experiences where like, I felt like something was going on. I've called CPS on a family multiple times and nothing happened. Yeah. But I did my part. Like I did what I had to do and maybe someday down the line. Right. You know, it'll make a difference. It'll make a difference. And so that leads me to my self-care tip of the week. And so I discovered this like shampoo brush for the shower. So I have pretty heavy, thick hair. And sometimes when I wash my hair, I feel like I don't get all the way, like the shampoo doesn't get all the way onto like my bottom layers Mm -hmm. of hair. And like I have to scrub with my fingernails, but sometimes like it doesn't get deep enough. And so I discovered this, like it's non-motorized. You can get a motorized version, but mine isn't. And you just hold it in between your fingers and you just like rub the shampoo through your scalp and it feels really nice. Like as a scalp massage, like (laughs) it's so relaxing and it gets the shampoo like evenly spread in your hair. So it has a lot of good benefits, but you really like don't realize how much tension you have on your scalp, especially if you wear your hair up and you let it down yeah. and it's just like, oh, I could just like go to town for like a really long time. It's just really It great. really helps with like product buildup too. And fun fact, yes. also helps with cradle cap. So you can oh. use it on your kids. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because the bristles are really soft. Yes. Like and it's not... Like mine has like a... Uh, side with like really pokey um, that's like kind of more of the like massage like actually scraping side but then my other side has like soft Uh bristles and that's what I use on my son oh that's that that sounds nice like there are several different kinds and the one that I got was like seven dollars like they're they're super yeah super inexpensive so check it out if you like are feeling like you got some product buildup or even like you're not getting shampoo everywhere or if you even just want like a nice scalp massage in the shower. Yeah, it really you know, just feels It's nice. really relaxing. So thanks for joining us today and we hope that you will find us on social media at Body Parts Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
and we hope that you join us next time. support the podcast and get access to bonus content and extra mini true crime cases plus get access to our exclusive bath and body parts bath bombs we'd love to have you join our patreon as a soaker super soaker or bath bomber visit patreon.com slash bath and body parts to learn more